Today we uh, conclude our series on Hebrews and what a great series it's been. And so let me just tell you a little bit about how I start preparing for my messages on Sunday. I open up God's word and I read it, whatever the chapter is, the verses, a couple of times. And I try to pick out whatever God is telling me through the Holy Spirit, what I want to reveal to you through his word. And as I was reading this chapter, chapter 13 of Hebrews, this verse stood out quite a bit. And it's verse 17. This is what it says. Obey your leaders and submit to them. Why? For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Now, I'll be honest. I read that before. But this time it hit me a little different. See, all of us are one day going to stand before our Lord and Savior. And we're going to have to give an account of why we did and didn't do the things we do. Every single individual. But as a leader, as an elder, as a pastor, I'm going to have to answer to God, not only personally on how I live my life, but how I led the flock, his flock. And that hit me. Because I want to be a pastor. That when I see my Lord and Savior, he says, well done. Good and faithful servant, well done. I, I tell myself every day, I'm not worthy of this position. I know I'm not. I know that there's other more intelligent pastors that know God's word, that preach better, that communicate a way better than I can. But I know this. I don't know if there's another pastor that's that passionate as I am. I'm also a crybaby. I love this church. And I want to lead to the best of my ability with my faults and all. But what we're going to see today is that the author of Hebrews tells us practically what we are need to do as a church. As a matter of fact, I've entitled this sermon, Acceptable Worship. What is acceptable worship to God? How we're supposed to come to worship not only on Sunday, but with our lives. Our lives are a sacrifice. Our lives should be a worship. And that's what we're going to see today. So if you've got your Bibles with you, go ahead and open up to chapter 13 of Hebrews. But before we do, I want to go back to the last chapter we studied last week, chapter 12. Because the author concludes this chapter and gives us a prelude of what he's going to talk about to us next. So this is what it says in Hebrews verse 28 of chapter 12. He says, therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus let us offer to God, and here it is, acceptable worship with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. See, when this verse was written, there were no verses, there were no chapters. So actually what the author is going to do, and as we're going to see in chapter 13, he's going to tell us what acceptable worship is. And I'm going to get real practical because I believe the author does so as well. I'm going to list ten things in this chapter that God wants us to know what acceptable worship is. And at the same time, I want us to see how grace, his church, compares with those two things. Where are we in the scale of acceptable worship. We're going to go kind of fast, so here we go. Number one. Number one, we need to be 
loving. Acceptable worship calls us to be loving. Verse 1, chapter 13, he says this. Let brotherly love, Philadelphia in Greek, continue, he says. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Let me just say real quick what he means by that. He is saying, you know what? You got to be hospitable to strangers because you never know. They might be angels. Now, here's the thing. It's not probable, but it is possible. Now, Genesis 18 talks about an incident like this. Abraham receives the pre-incarnate Christ and two angels, and he was hospitable to them when they came and gave him the news that they were going to have a child. So I believe that's what the author is referring to. Again, not possible, but probable. But what is he saying? He's saying, look, we need to continue in the church to show love to one another, brotherly love, Philadelphia. But he also says we need to extend that love to others, to strangers, be hospitable. It doesn't end here. As a matter of fact, it begins here and moves out. Be loving to one another and show that love to others. What does Jesus say? By this you will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's what the author is saying. We need to love one another. With grace, I see that. I see that so clearly. You know, one of the things that I get to hear from first-time guests is the fact how loving we are, how hospitable we are, how we welcome everyone into the sanctuary, how we welcome people at home. Let's continue to do that. But not only that, let's extend that out into our community. Let's show the love of Jesus to others by loving others. That's what he is saying. He goes on and he mentions two other types of people. He says this, verse 3. Remember those in prison. Now remember, back then, people were in prison because of their faith, as they are today. People were being killed, tortured, and persecuted and put in prison because they were Christians. He says, remember those people. Don't neglect. Don't forget about them. Show them love, he says. But then he says this, show them love as though in prison with them. In other words, don't just say, ah, let me pray for him. No. Show them love like if you were there. Feel their pain feel their sorrow. And then he says, and those who are mistreated. Remember, people were being tortured. Why? Since you also are in the body. And what he's saying, we're all his bride, we're all his church, we're all in Christ's body. Let's love one another. People in prison, people that are different. You know, what's happening today. People are being killed in other countries because of their faith. People are being imprisoned because of our faith. Let's not neglect them. Let's feel for them. We here at Grace Bible Church, because of your offering, because of your giving, we support ministries. We support missions out there who are proclaiming God's truth. That's what the author is saying we should do and continue to do. Love one another, not just here, but beyond. You know, I feel that also in our small groups. Grace Bible Church becomes such a loving community, not only as a whole, but individually in our small groups. I hear all the time, even in the small groups that I'm in, if anybody's hurting, we pray for them. If anybody has fallen into financial crisis, we give of our money. When someone has a baby or is ill, we 
provide meals for them. That's what we should do. That is acceptable worship to God. Love on one another. Feel their pain because we are all a body of Christ. One of the hardest things for me to do during this season is to be able to love you the way I want to love you. And I think it just not only goes for me, to all the pastors, to all the ministry leaders here. During COVID, for me, it's been very hard to know what's going on in your lives. I don't see you on Sunday. At least before, I used to see you on Sunday and ask you, how's it going? And I could, I could tell that it was going okay. But now, I don't know. It's been very difficult. I try to text people. I try to ask their small group leaders, hey, how so-and-so is doing? And for that, I apologize. I know me personally have failed here. But I know you guys can continue to do what I can't. And remember, as a church gets bigger, we need to get smaller through our small groups to love one another, to pray for one another, to feel each other's pain. That's number one. Number two, acceptable worship calls us to be pure. We need to be a body, a church that is pure. This is what he says in verse 4. Let marriage be held in honor among all. And let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterous. Two sexual sins the author is describing here. First of all, it's adultery. And adultery is when you're married and you cheat on your spouse, that is adultery. But then he also talks about sexual immorality. In Greece, it's pronounced pornos. And any sin concerning sexual immorality is this. Homosexuality is sexual immorality. Having sex before marriage is sexual immorality. Cheating on your spouse by watching porn or you name it, that is sexual immorality. Let me say this. Grace Bible Church will never not teach the truth. There's a lot of pastors and churches out there that I know of that will not cover this topic of purity because it's not socially right. But you know what I believe? The Bible's going to offend the Bible is an equal opportunity offender. And we teach the truth. Let me also say this. Grace is a place where everybody is welcome no matter where they're at in their life. We're not going to be judging. We're not going to say shame on you because shame on us. We're all sinful. We're going to let God work in their hearts. And we want a people, we want to be a church that accepts everyone. And let God do what he needs to do and restore them from their sin. But we need to be a church that is pure and lovingly show the truth to whomever. Number three, we need to be content. Now, this is a huge one. I struggle with this. Verse five and six says this, the author says, keep your life free from love of money. It's not free from money, it's the love of money. Paul talks about the same thing, about loving money. And money here, it's anything of materialism. He says, and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. And because of this, we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. You know, we are the richest nation in the world. But we're also 
the saddest, the depressed, the least content nation. We want more and more and more. We're never content. Again, I struggle with this. The newest iPhone, the, t- the, the biggest TV comes out, the nicest car. What do we want? We want that. We are not happy where we're, we're at now. And the sad part is that we want to be happy and we'll never be happy chasing material things here. We'll never be content. And what the author is saying, you feel or you think or most of us think that our confidence comes from materialism and it does not. Our confidence comes in Jesus Christ. And that's why he says, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do for me? Contentment, true contentment only comes from trusting Jesus Christ for all your needs. That's true contentment. Contentment is not chastened after things of this world. How are we in this department? Are we content right now? Are we saying to ourselves, I'll be a little better, I'll be happier when I get a job, when I make a little more money, when I get married? You fill in the blanks. And what the author is saying, acceptable worship to God is being content right where you're at with what you have or do not have. Because God is the only one and should be the only one that brings you confidence and contentment. He goes on, number four, be teachable. And I want to put a parenthesis there. Be a disciple. That's what he's saying. Verse 7, he says, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Now remember a couple of chapters ago, chapter 11, he listed those people of faith of the Old Testament and of the New. And in the New Testament, he spoke about those that were killed, that were sawed in half. And he says, remember those? Imitate them. Imitate their faith. No matter what the outcome is, accept the outcome that comes from God. That's how you need to be. You need to follow those leaders. You need to be discipled. That is the great commission. Jesus says, go and make disciples. Teach them everything that I've taught you. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He didn't say only when it's easy, only when you feel comfortable. But he did say that he will be with us to the end of time. Grace Bible Church, primary focus. Now hear me, we do share the gospel. But after sharing the gospel and someone receives Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, they become a disciple who makes disciples who makes disciples and so on and so forth. We focus on discipleship. Again, through small groups, we're always looking for other leaders. Through serving, that's part of discipleship. Our vision as a church, as a body of Christ here in Laredo, Grace Bible Church, is to plant a church in every zip code. We cannot do that without building up discipling future leaders, ministry leaders, people that want to serve. We have a new campus that will be ready to go probably in a year. 
If we don't have disciples ready within this body, how are we going to be able to disciple others at the new property? And so on and so forth. We need to be teachable. We need to be discipled. I am one that wants to learn every single day by imitating others that live their faith a lot better than I can. And that's what we're called to do. Look for a leader. Look for someone who can guide you in a Christian way. We're all in different walks of our Christian life. But when we're walking, whether you're a new believer or a believer that's been walking with the Lord for many years, we are called to pour in our cup into someone else, whether it be a full cup, half a cup, or just a little cup. Discipleship is just pouring into them. Discipleship is living life on life with someone. And that's what we need to do. That is what is acceptable worship to Christ. I I love here the fact that you guys accept that. It's not me preaching every Sunday and there's a purpose for that. We are building future disciples to be able, again, to plant churches throughout Laredo to share the good news of Jesus Christ. We need to step up and share the gospel. Which leads me to point number five. Acceptable worship calls us to be bold for the gospel. Paul says we need to be bold for the gospel because it has the power to save. That's what he says. And this is what the author says in verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, false gospels. For it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods, which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, he says, let us. Go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Two things I want to flesh out here. First of all, we need to teach the true and only gospel. Grace Bible Church will do that. We'll never sugarcoat the gospel. The gospel is not a I feel good gospel. The gospel is not a prosperity gospel. The gospel is suffering but looking forward into what's to come where there will be no more sin, no more suffering, no more tears. That is the gospel. The gospel is putting in in your heart that Jesus Christ stepped out of heaven, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, and the third day he rose again on the dead. When we trust in that, we receive the gift of grace. We have eternity with him. We will never be a church that teaches the gospel of works. It's sad to say that so many other Christian churches and religions teach that. A religion that you can merit your salvation, be good enough, be sanctified enough in order to be justified. The true gospel is because Jesus came, stepped out of heaven, and did what he did. When we trust in his work, we are justified. And then we begin our sanctification. We don't have to obey to be accepted. We obey because we have been accepted. 
Grace is a gift from God. You can't earn it. We don't deserve it. But that's the good news. That is the gospel. And here's the other thing I want to flesh out. He's telling us just as Jesus suffered, he went outside the camp and hung on the cross, outside of the Jerusalem walls and hung on the cross, suffered for you and for me. We need to suffer a little bit for the gospel. We need to be bold and step out of our comfort zone, outside of our walls, and go and evangelize. Oh, but I'm not an evangelist. All you need to do is be a Bible by the way you live to others. How do you react? How do you live? Shows a lot of who we are as a church. Share the good news. Share the gospel. That's what we're called to do. Be bold. God has put you wherever you're at to do that. Number six, be worshipful. Verse 15. Through him then let us continually Offer, continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of the lips that acknowledge his name. Two things. It's not just worship by song, which is great. But it's not just on Sunday. It's every single day by how we live. That is we're, that's how we're called to worship our God every single day with everything that we do. Number seven. We need to be a church that is generous. I'm not going to spend too much time here. Some of you might be getting a little uncomfortable as I speak, but this is what he says. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. I love what I read from this pastor. He said this, we make a living by what we get out of life, but we make a life by what we give. A generous giver is a happy person. God has given what he's given to you, not to store up for yourself, but to be generous. Give. It changed my life. I know it will change yours. I can't emphasize this enough. Your worship and giving enables us to do these things, enables us to have acceptable worship to God, enables us to share the good news to so many that need it. Trust him. Try it. Start tithing. I dare you. And I'll tell you this much. It's not for us. My salary is based on a teacher's salary, and I don't make my salary. The elders control my salary. We're all teachers, and that's how we're basing our salaries. But I'll tell you this much, because I know it will happen. If you be generous, not only you'll be happier, but if you be generous, your budgeting will come out even better. If you're generous and you start tithing, and after a month you say, oop, this didn't work, I will guarantee we'll give you back every single penny. Be generous. Regalos de amor. That's awesome how you guys come and give. We have a benevolence fund. Every year we give to the people, not only within the church, but outside in the community because of your generosity. Jesus wants your heart. He doesn't want your money. Number eight, be submissive to church leadership. This is even tough for me. Verse 17, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that will be no advantage. 
such a cry baby I love this church and every single day I come with a smile in my face I do this with joy I don't ever want you guys to consider me the senior pastor way above no I'm in this with you shoulder to shoulder a sinner just like you but like all of us the church together will move forward with joy doing things out of love not out of obligation that's acceptable worship number nine be praying for your church leaders he says this, verse 18, pray for us. Now he gets personal. He's talking about himself and other church leaders. He says, pray for us. For we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you sooner. I love, love, love that I hear from you, not only to me and other pastors. You say, we're praying for you, Pastor. How are you doing, Pastor? Just this week as I was going over this, I get a text this from someone who says, how are you? How can I pray for you? And I just broke down in tears saying, wow, I'm just going over this. And here you are showing what I'm going to preach about to me. We need prayer. Not only, I believe, church leaders, but all leaders, especially in times like this. Don't complain about leadership. Pray for your leadership. We are not perfect by no means. And the enemy attacks us more than ever. We need prayer from you. And we, as grace, pray together. And I know it. And I thank you. In the beginning, uh, I mentioned there were ten things. And here's number ten. And I believe it's to be the most important of all. Be completely dependent on Jesus Christ. That's what we're called to do. Now the author ends with a prayer with a benediction. So I, I want us to do this because we are a church together. We hopefully are describing Grace Bible Church. So will you stand for me? Stand up. And let's pray for each other. Let's conclude this series as the author concludes his letter to his church, his people, a benediction, a prayer, will you read out loud with me the last verses? As a guys may be cities. I pray that God equips every single one of us to be able to accomplish this more and more. That is my prayer as this church continues, but I know it's a good prayer because that is his will because that is acceptable worship to God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much as we are an imperfect church, but you don't want a perfect church. You want a, a church that loves you, that recognizes that we can't do anything apart from you, Father. Let us be that church. As we covered these 10 things to be acceptable worship, will you work on our hearts to do that? 
personally begins with us and extends out into the community. That's Grace Bible Church. This is your church, and we love you. And we pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. The author finishes with a nice ending, and I want to read this ending to you. In verse 22, he says, I appeal to you, brothers, bear with my word of exhortion. Listen to what I'm saying, he says, for I have written to you briefly. You should know that our brother Timothy has been released, with whom I shall see you if he comes soon. Greet all your leaders and all the saints, those who come from Italy, send you greetings. And look what he says, grace be with all of you. Good morning and welcome to Grace. I love you guys.